mentally knowing that like a medal is slipping away from you and you literally can't move your legs any faster it's just like the worst thing in the world OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB sports app OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar time to get some Liverpool perspective on a crushing defeat last night at Old Trafford and I'm delighted to say we're joined by broadcaster Gareth Roberts Gareth do you know what happened last night? It's hard to say. I mean, not not a lot went right, it's fair to say. I think uh, Liverpool's attitude, uh, commitments, uh, physicality, all of that kind of stuff from the very first whistle looked wrong. Uh, they looked nervous. Um, they looked disjointed. They didn't look like a unit. Um, and Manchester United were the complete opposite of that. And for me, it's really disappointing in that, you know, in those games, no matter where the two clubs are, you should always be expecting a physical approach. You should always be expecting 90 miles an hour. So what Man United did to Liverpool from the first whistle shouldn't have been a surprise to Liverpool. And yet Liverpool played like it was. And, and for me, you know, it, it took until half an hour, really, for Liverpool to show anything like themselves. You know, there was a, a, a move around that time which could have led to something for Liverpool, but didn't. But I just thought, you know, it was hard to see what the plan was from a Liverpool perspective. I thought... The lineup was baffling also. Um, I know that Fabinho hasn't been in his best form recently, um, but you know if he's not quite fit or if he's a bit tired or things like that, I think I would have been flipping it and starting Fabinho and looking to take him off later in the game rather than do it the other way around. Because if you allow a team a foothold in, in a game, you know, you're up against it and Liverpool keep doing this. You know, we're all talking about it, aren't we? It's all over the media this morning. It's in all the papers. Seven Premier League games, I think it is now, where the opposition have taken the lead. You've seen uh, Andy Robertson bemoaning that one last night. And you, you can't keep giving teams a start that way. Liverpool need to come out the traps much better than they are recently. Uh, in terms of the selection issue, uh, who would come out of the team if Fabinho was in? Is it... Um... It's obviously one of the midfielders, but which mm-hmm. of the three actually would you have not started with? I mean, for me, for me it would probably be Milner um, because I think, you know, I was behind the idea that Milner signed a new contract. But for me, he's a break glass option at this stage of his career. He's not someone I expect to see starting. I don't think Henderson's in great form. And obviously, um, you know, you're also relying on a youngster in Harvey Elliott. So I know why you're asking the question. But, but for me, he would be the one that you're looking to bring on later in the game. So if, if you know, sports scientists are looking at it and saying Fabinho's got 60 in his legs, give him 60 from the start, then break the Milner glass. Don't do it the other way around. Um, and, you know, Milner did OK. Um, but, you know, I, I think in general, you look across the team last night and there's not there's not many good performers there whatsoever. You could probably say Alisson's played all right in that he's made a couple of saves. I don't think Elliot has disgraced himself in any way. Uh, quite the opposite. Uh, Carvalho looked great when he came on. He was bright. He kept his shot down and that led to Liverpool's goal. There were some flashes from Diaz, but not quite enough for me. But overall, you know, across across the team, I mean, you're asking me who would drop out of them. You drop anyone and put anyone in. You know, no one, no one looked like they really deserved a place last night. And I include, you know, normally star performers like Van Dijk, like Trent Alexander-Arnold and... That, that's the concerning bit for me because they're meant to be leaders in the side. They're meant to be people that set the example. And look, you know, 
it's been analysed and I'm sure it will continue to be analysed about Milner getting in Van Dyke's face and having a real go at him and Van Dyke looking a little bit sheepish by the way and, and you know pros always say well it's good to see a Chelsea care and things like that but you don't often see that from Liverpool that tells me that something's going wrong there that something's not quite right and I don't actually know what Van Dyke's doing on that goal I don't know what that pose is and I don't know why he's not moving towards the ball is he relying on Alisson to make the save if he is, he's actually in Allison's way. Um, and I, I think Milner has every every right to have a go at him. And it, it, it is a little bit alarming to see key performers dip so alarmingly. Especially, right Gareth, now. in big games, especially, Gareth, like to see someone like Van Dijk, who's been such a leader on that Liverpool team. Um, and as you, you discussed, the intensity. Jimmy Carragher said it after the match as well, that he, that he sometimes feels, and he should know as a fellow centre-half, that... that Virgil van Dijk maybe lacks the intensity sometimes in, in big games. I think he referenced the, the Champions League final last year against uh, against Madrid as well, or earlier this year. Like, is that something that, that concerns you maybe, that, that van Dijk maybe intensity-wise has been offered a little bit in some big games? I don't think... I, I think saying it's a concern at this stage is is a bit too much. I'm concerned about, about last night, um, and I expect to see a reaction. Am I concerned about Van Dijk longer term, bigger pitch? They're not really, because he's been absolutely brilliant for Liverpool. And I would still say, you know, he's one of the best defenders out there. Um, every player's allowed a bit of a blip. Every player's allowed a bit of a dip in form. And look, I understand why it would come from Carragher because he's a man that went out at Old Trafford like he was going to war. Um, I think he wrote about that in his book about how he hated the idea of all this little cuddles and handshakes in the tunnel. Like he he, he saw his opponents as someone he was going out to to beat, you know, to, to go to war with almost, if you like. Whereas Van Dyke, that's not his attitude. He is calm. Um, we sing about him being calm. Literally, that's his song, Calm As You Like. Um, but he, he looked too calm almost, didn't he? I get, I get the question because, you know, it, it, it's lackadaisical almost a little bit from Liverpool last night in that you wonder about the collective attitude a little bit. Like, did did they take it for granted that United were going to be poor because of what had happened against Brentford, etc., and the start of the season and the new manager and the infighting and the leaks and all the, you know, the whole drama around Manchester United, did that affect Liverpool's mentality? I don't know. It, but it, what, what I do know is that it didn't look right, and it, it didn't look right for large portions of the game. Like I don't, I don't know why Liverpool have to wait for something to happen to find it in themselves to spur themselves on. And it was a little bit like that against Crystal Palace. You know, the sending off, you saw a different Liverpool after the sending off, and it's a bit like, well, why did it take until then for something to click mentally? So there's something not quite right behind the scenes. There's obviously. The injury situation, which is well documented, and that's definitely not helping because we haven't got a settled side right now. It's not the first choice side. There isn't the option to make a lot of changes either. You saw that last night with some of the names that were on the bench. So none of those things are helping. But, I mean, last week when I was on, you could ask all the same questions, really. You know, is there a hangover from last season, perhaps? Are they a bit tired? Maybe. Did 63 games take it out of them a little bit? Well, it it, it looks like it might have done. Uh, the short and pre-season, has that affected Liverpool? Every chance it has. So, you know, the two points out of nine is the bottom line, and that does not look great when you think about the standards that both City and Liverpool have hit over the last few seasons. I don't want to read too much into three games and you know the two points out of nine is definitely something that would be worrying although it helps that there were points dropped by City at the weekend but like two years ago Liverpool had essentially a down year 
where we were able to pin the issues on the centre-back problems and also COVID was on. So we, you know, Mm -hmm. didn't quite feel like they had any advantage of the Anfield crowd and all that, that stuff too. Is there just a possibility that Liverpool need to recalibrate what their expectations are for this season and that, um, you know, I'm not saying they're not going to win the league, right? But uh, they need to find form and the players aren't in form en masse at the moment. And so therefore you're kind of thinking, well, we need to just focus on the Champions League this year like, and hope that something magical happens for us there. Yeah, I mean, look, Liverpool's odds have, have widened after getting beat last night in the start of the season and you'd expect them to, wouldn't you? So I think you can get about 13 to 2 now on Liverpool to win the league, which is, you know, longer than we've seen in recent times for Liverpool, but but equally still short enough that the bookies are like, "Mm, well, there's still a chance. And that's sort of where I am on it. I don't think, I think it's a bit early to say about recalibration. What Liverpool need to do is concentrate on going on a bit of a run now. Uh, Bournemouth at home, you would say, is, is quite kind for Liverpool and should be a game that Liverpool win. Uh, but, but Liverpool are going to have to start that, that game faster with more intensity. And they're going to have to expect now as well that, you know, teams, when they play Liverpool anyway, in all of my life, have always upped their game to play Liverpool because of the name of Liverpool. But I think there's an added psychological boost now for sides watching Liverpool or coming up against Liverpool because they're like, hang on, there's a chink in the armour here. They're not quite what they were. You know, they don't look great. They haven't started the season well. So even Bournemouth, you know, and you're supposed to say no disrespect to Bournemouth, but even Bournemouth um, are likely to fancy the chances a little bit more now. So Liverpool have got to expect that. Um, So if they can get over that hurdle, go on a bit of a run. There's Newcastle on the horizon. There's Everton on the horizon. And both of those games... For, for different reasons, you would imagine would present some difficulties. But if Liverpool can just grind out some wins, get themselves back up that table, there's still there's still a chance there, obviously. And and we don't know how it's going to go with Man City. I mean, they've shown a little bit of vulnerability by by drawing with Newcastle, haven't they? Okay, they get it back to draw three three, but that's not their ideal result. And there's maybe a little thing there similar to what I'm saying about do sides look at that and say, well, what if we have a go at Manchester City? So that makes that dynamic interesting. So I think it's far too early to say Liverpool now can't go for the title or Liverpool now have to lower their sights. And of course, the transfer window is still open and there is still a chance maybe that Liverpool do go into you know, recruiting someone and it should be in midfield like everyone is saying. Well, that's um, There's a, qu- a comment here. Lack of investment in midfield is killing a team based on energy and work rate. That's from G10 in our YouTube comments. Like, uh, are there any obvious candidates that who aren't called Jude Bellingham to <laughs> uh, to join? And I don't know. I'm, I'm never any good at those questions. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not one to be uh, watching endless hours of YouTubes and all the rest of it. I'll leave that one to Liverpool scouts. But you'd think, you'd think they'd have someone on a list somewhere and okay, you know, their general approach over the last two years has worked. Um, it's sometimes cautious, it's sometimes conservative. And I can imagine a conversation behind the scenes where, you know, the owners or representatives of the owners, the money men, if you like, are saying to Jürgen Klopp, yeah, but you've got all these people in midfield. And then we equally Klopp saying, well, he's unreliable, he's injured on the, on the regular, we're not sure about him. His agent's kicking up a fuss in the media and saying he's not happy about his game time. You know, Thiago, we can't rely on across the course of a season. We need to do something or this this season could drift away. So maybe, you know, that message hits home a little bit and maybe that conservatism that definitely does exist at times is changed a little bit. It'd be disappointing in a way to have left it this this long, even if they do move for someone now, because, 
you know, then the argument will be, well, why didn't you move in June or May or whatever it may be? But I would still rather they broke the glass and bought someone, to be honest with you, at this stage than just leave it. Because just leaving it currently is not looking great. Sorry, Jack. I, I just want to say, like, I don't want to put the blame on him either because it was a tough game for him, kind of up front, almost by himself. Uh, obviously, he had the help from Salah. But Roberto Firmino last night, Gareth, um, like this is a man who has a contract expiring next year. He's obviously trying to impress and play to perform to earn that new contract. Uh, well, what did you make of his performance last night? And I guess his performance is generally so far this season. Like, Does he look like a player with his shadow on the exit door or, or how do you feel uh, his future is at Anfield? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's 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 hard to judge anyone really at this stage because of, of the changes that have happened. I think I think Sadio Mane leaving is is huge and perhaps bigger than people expected. Um, I think both in terms of morale and behind the scenes, he seemed quite a a popular fella with the staff, but also just in terms of what he gives you. You know, he's a re- he was a real fighter. He was someone who could hold on to the ball. He was an outlet. He created goals, obviously. And, you know, you look at last night across the front three, you know, they all, they all only have one shot each. And, you know, for a side as good as Liverpool, a side with aspirations of winning the League Champions League and everything else, to go to go away to Manchester United, who, for me, didn't, Pull up trees. They just they played like a team that were an underdog fighting in an FA Cup match for me, and that's no criticism, given what's come before. They put more effort in. Their attitude was better, and they deserved to win the game, and they created the better chances. But Liverpool should have shown more than one shot from each forward. I think the problem with Firmino last night is that he started dropping far too deep. You know, you look at his his heat map from the game, and and, and there's a lot of it's around the centre circle. Well, you know, used to was there. Um, you, you know, you're, you're supposed to be up and around the box. And the other two, Diaz and, and Salah, to me, look too wide. You know, if you think about the traditional front three, including Firmino, they, they, you know, they had understanding. They were close to each other and they would set each other up and there would be cute one-twos and little passes inside and things like that. And it just seems systematically right now, Liverpool are not clicking. And I think Mane leaving is part of that. I think Nunes coming in is part of that. Him being sent off has not helped um, and it'll still now take longer for him to bed in because he won't have had those first team games that he would have done had he not been stupid and got sent off. So there are a lot of questions. I think with Firmino, by the way, you know, you, you, you're right to an extent that I think we'll all be looking at it as the season goes on. The likelihood for me is that he does let his contract run down and probably leaves on a free and, and we'll all pat him on the back and say, well done, because he's been fantastic for yeah. Liverpool. But um, but last night, no, he was no real threat, was he? There was, um, there was no Origi. to be a threat. There was no Origi to come off the bench last night either. Like the, the you know, the squad management. I know, you know no one thinks Origi's going to win you the league, but actually, there there was a depth there of somebody who had been in big occasions, who had scored big goals in big games, and now you're looking at the bench and it's like young players who don't have that experience. Um, Alan O'Flynn has been in touch to say when Alden, Fabinho, and Henderson were able to rattle City, but the current midfield just isn't up to it. There's a there's I, I again it's it's weird because Henderson's form isn't good, Fabinho's form isn't good, Trent's form isn't good. Like you're looking at the players, Virgil Van Dijk's form's not good. It's it's mad that the form isn't good of so many players at the same time, which would suggest that they've got something wrong in the sports science or the fitness or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's so fun. I mean, you know, you wonder what what can he change? I mean, you know, who's going to come back from injury? Kite said he was very 
cagey on and, and, and we didn't really get a lot of information other than they won't really train today, I think was the answer that we got from Klopp. But, you know, you wonder about changes like would it would it be worth Mo Salah going through the middle? I, I think it would be. I, I'd like to see him in and around the box and in situations where he's likely to score goals more than he is currently. He suddenly turned into this player that looks like he's going to be creative rather than score. And I, I'd like that switch on its head. I wouldn't mind seeing Elliot on the right in the front three um, and, then, and then we patch up midfield with what, whoever's available and we try that one out because as you know, as we've just said a second ago the Firmino thing didn't work last night um, I think he played against Fulham as well and he didn't look particularly on it then either and look you're right you know they, they, they absolutely went for it last season um, they, they did all think that there was a chance of the, of the historic quadruple it didn't come off of course um, they fell agonisingly short in the two big ones and and I think we again we're having the same conversation as last week. Does that take it out of you physically and mentally a little bit? I said last week I didn't think it would do because of what we've seen in the past, losing Champions League finals, bouncing back, losing league titles by a point, bouncing back. Maybe it's one maybe it's one too many this time. Gareth, uh, j- just one that I was I was rereading one of your articles um, from from 2016 that you tweeted out yesterday from the Anfield Wrap the Hayat Heisel Hillsborough and Munich and it, it kind of struck me and as something that even that was a fixture I was at last year at Old Trafford the United Liverpool game and and you know you see the police and the horses kind of separating the two fans and you really do hear the, the the sickening chants going back and forth both ways about about all these tragedies and disasters um, and you reference some of them in, in, in your piece as well always the victims it's never your fault you killed your own fans um, and you also talked about the fact that this is learned behaviour you know kids mm-hmm. kids don't grow up with, with hate in their hearts but this is something that comes from from family members and older peers and that sort of thing so look in, in, in your opinion like where is this bell curve of the, the United Liverpool Rivalry at at the minute. It's at a it's at a pretty pretty vitriolic uh, point. But where do you think it is in in this grand scheme of history? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem to be in the greatest of places. If I'm being honest with you, I mean, there did seem to be a time where I was hopeful that you know some of the more extreme stuff was being nipped in the bud a little bit. But you know, it started to return um, to hear songs about you know the sun was right your murderers and to hear songs about Hill, referencing Hillsborough, you know, absolutely grim. Um, you know, there's a good piece uh, Andy Mitten had worked on uh, for The Athletic, uh, which was published yesterday, you know, with with someone who's lost someone at Hillsborough, uh, detailing their family struggles, talking about what that feels like to still hear chants at, at games all these years on. And, and look, equally anything about Munich is equally distasteful, as I said in the piece that you're referencing. And, you know, for me, it's just it's just the responsibility of of people who have a little bit of a standing in a community to call it out. And I've called it out regularly. I've called it out on air. I've written pieces about it. I put stuff on my Twitter feed. I'll say it in person to people as well. I've challenged it at the match. You know, can everyone else who's got a little bit of responsibility, a bit of stature, are they? Can they say the same? Are they doing the same? I would argue no, um, and I would say that there are people out there that could do a little bit more. You know, when there was stuff from Anfield, uh, the last time uh, Manchester United came to Anfield, you know, I didn't feel that was challenged enough. And I know that there were meetings behind the scenes between the clubs and fan representatives and stuff like that. I'm not too sure what came of it, though. What's different? What's changed? Where Where was the messaging? And look, you know, in the past, over this, I can actually remember Ferguson, Alex Ferguson, challenging it 
Alex Ferguson saying something in the press about it. And I was impressed by that. I thought, good on you. And, you know, in the past, we've seen Jurgen Klopp and, and, and Jordan Henderson challenge um, the Chelsea Rent Boys uh, chant that sometimes comes from the Liverpool end and, and highlighting how that makes people feel in the stands and all that kind of stuff. Well, for me, this is of, of the same stature, if not worse. And it needs challenging all round and it needs challenging on a regular basis. And it's it's all too easy, I think, to just say, oh, it's just one of them. It's not one of them. It's it, it's a disaster where people lost their lives, a disaster that led to people, in the case of Hillsborough, certainly, you know, committing suicide and things like that. So it's had a profound effect on a large number of people who support a club. And to use that... As a as a weapon, as you know, in a, in a game is incredibly grim for me. And and as you say, you know, I said in that piece, it's learned behaviour. So where does it keep coming from? Who keeps reinforcing? It? I think everyone just needs to have a little bit of a think about how they behave. All this macho type stuff around it, and you know, throwaway comments around it, they stick and and they they create this beast. And you know, it's online all the time if you go looking for it as well. I mean, I tend not to now because. You know, because of my own mental health these days, you know, how many arguments can you have about it? But I'm quite happy to come on here and talk about it at any point and to talk to anyone about it because I think from both sides, it needs looking at, it needs tackling and it needs challenging. Guys, great stuff. Great to have you with us this morning as ever. Thanks a million for joining us. Thank you. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 